When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? Happy Thursday. This is another special episode of The Walkthrough with me, Jamie Hoyle. I am here today with my top five head coaching list. Uh, This is my own personal top five. Uh, In the coming days, over the weekend, you'll get a top five from Craig and Garrett as well. Uh, These lists are not necessarily our top five candidates of the people the Chargers are interviewing. These are just our top five candidates of the available candidates on the market as of today. Um, Before I get into my own top five, um, I'm going to break down for you a little bit what we're going to talk about today. So I mentioned top five. I'm going to have my own personal top five list. Um, I'm going to give you a few, probably three, maybe four positives and negatives about each guy on my list, why I like them, why I might have some reservations or concerns. And, uh, and then we'll move on to the next one. Uh, But but before we get into the list, I wanted to kind of hit on some things that happened with the chargers today. I think this is a pretty big deal. Um, because we had some news related to, um, the coaching search today and a couple, actually three big things happened. So the first thing was until recently, Mike Rabel had not been on the chargers list of candidates. However, he was brought in for an interview today. So Mike Vrabel did interview with the Los Angeles Chargers this afternoon, uh, wrapped up a couple hours ago, I believe. Um, They also brought in former Stanford head coach David Shaw uh, for an interview. And that is of significance for a couple of reasons. We're going to get into that a little bit later as I get into my top five towards the top of my list. Um, But, and I want to be careful about how I word this because I don't want to make it seem like David Shaw was only interviewed for the sake of um, I don't want to make it sound like he was only interviewed for the sake of complying with the Rooney rule, because I don't believe that was the case. I think there's a good chance that if things play out the way that I think they will, he will wind up on the next chargers coaching staff. However, as a result of interviewing David Shaw, the chargers are now Rooney compliant. They interviewed Leslie Frazier in person over the weekend They interviewed David Shaw in person this week. As we know, Shaw not currently coaching in the NFL, not bound by any restrictions in terms of when they can and cannot interview him in person. So they brought him in today. 
they have now met the Rooney rule requirements. So that is good news. Um, one last thing to hit on before I get into my my top five is somebody who is not going to be on this list. And I think it's worth mentioning because it's a name that's out there, a name that a lot of people have talked about and that has even been linked one way or another to the Chargers, and that is Bill Belichick. He is not on my list. And you might say, well, Jamie, how can you have a list and not have Bill Belichick on it? Well, the answer is simple. Um, I believe hiring Bill Belichick means giving him full control of personnel. Basically, he's coming in as head coach and GM, whether he has the GM title or not. And I have serious reservations about the way he has run the Patriots over the last four years. Uh, I have serious reservations about the way he handled Mac Jones, who, while I don't have a very high opinion of Mac Jones, he did use a first round pick on him and basically ran him into the ground. And he was benched by the end of this year. So did not give him much to work with offensively in terms of skill players, did not give him much to work with in terms of an offensive coordinator and heaped all the blame for a bad offense on him and benched him for Bailey Zappi uh, during the year this year. So I feel like the, you know, the famous Patriot way is something that is kind of outdated. I, I think Belichick in a lot of ways is outdated. I don't want to give him control of the personnel because I don't want him running the draft in particular. Um, so based on, and it is an assumption, but based on my assumption that Bill mean hiring Bill Belichick would mean giving him full control of the roster and personnel. That is not a direction I'm willing to go. So Bill Belichick at 70, whatever, two years old, which is another reason why I wouldn't hire him. I want somebody who's going to be here for a while. And Belichick just seems like a guy who's nearing the end of me. Um, I would not hire Bill Belichick. So he is not on my top five list. Now, having said that, uh, let's get into my top five. Um, my number five candidate is Baltimore Ravens offensive coordinator, Todd Munkin. This is somebody who, if you listen to our show, you're familiar with because we talked about him at length. Actually, I would say we gushed over him at length when the Chargers were looking for an offensive coordinator last year. Uh, Munkin is somebody that I'm very high on. Um, if this market wasn't as flush with experienced head coaches as it is, uh, one or two in particular, we're going to talk about later. Uh, I might have him higher on my list, but as it is, he's number five. So some things that I like about Todd Munkin, and there's a lot that I like about Todd Munkin. First of all, the man has coached and learned at the feet of some very, very successful head coaches at the collegiate and professional levels. Uh, we start with what his first graduate assistant job was with Notre Dame under Lou Holtz. He's coached under Mike Gundy. He coached under Les Miles at LSU. He recently coached, as we know, under Kirby Smart at Georgia for a couple of years. Uh, and as recently as this year, he coached under John Harbaugh. So that is, those are some pretty good. And obviously, Gundy is one of those guys who may or may not belong in that conversation as you know elite head coaches that he's coached under. But he has seen how a game should be run. Uh, he's seen how some of these elite you know, leader of men, so to speak, handle themselves. Um, and so I think that speaks for itself in terms of just having been around people who build cultures, build teams, and know how to win, I think is very important. Um, and he's done it at multiple stops, which I think is a huge plus for him. Um, another big reason why I like Munkin, and it's huge, is the offense. I mean, just come right out and say it. Todd Munkin is an offensive genius. The guy is absolutely brilliant. 
He knows exactly what he's doing with an offense. He knows how to create explosive plays. And his offense is really all about, and these are his words, not mine. And we've heard Brandon Staley use these words at times, marrying the run and the pass to create explosive plays. He preaches being efficient and explosive and protecting the football, which most coaches do. So take that for what it is. But the first thing, the the main thing that makes a Todd Munkin offense work is the running game. They run, Todd Munkin is known for running a very diverse downhill physical running game. They run inside zone. They run outside zone. They run some duo. um, They run uh, some power. You'll see some pin pull sweeps. You'll see some um, jet sweeps. You'll see a lot of design quarterback runs, which is something I think the Chargers need to do more of with Justin Herbert. Um, And all of these things have multiple looks, multiple options built into them with motions and the packages they come in. He uses bunch formation really well. He uses condensed formations, spread formations. Um, You'll see him run anything from 11 personnel to 12 personnel to four wide receivers. Um, so this is a, this is a group that, or this is a coach who understands the importance of a balanced, diverse offense because his offenses run the ball so well, they get the ball down the field in the passing game off of play action. Uh, teams have to respect the run and that opens up opportunities down the field, which is something the chargers have struggled to create over the last couple of years. So those are some big reasons why I like Todd Munkin. I think if you look at his numbers, pretty much everywhere he's gone with some rare exceptions, he arrives and immediately the running game improves, third down offense improves, red zone offense efficiency improves, um, and they start creating more explosive plays. And he's done it with all manner of quarterbacks. He did it with Lamar Jackson this year. He did it with Stetson Bennett. And Georgia, who's a guy who is, I think we would all agree, kind of a mid-level quarterback in terms of talent at best. Um, he he did it with Nick Mullins uh, at Southern Miss when he had a three-year stint as a head coach at Southern Miss. So uh, this is a man who knows how to get the most out of his quarterbacks. And outside of Lamar Jackson, I'm not sure he's really had a quarterback as physically talented as Justin Herbert. So marrying the, putting those two together would be, I think, a match made in heaven. Some things that, you know, I might not like about Munkin. Obviously, he's got very limited head coaching experience, and that head coaching experience was in a small conference school at Southern Miss, and it only lasted three years, and he wasn't overly successful. They, they did, have, I think, have one winning year, won their conference, and went to a bowl in year two of that tenure, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, again, he went there. The offense immediately improved. He had kind of um, uh, incremental success in terms of improving the offense from year to year at Southern Miss with, again, Nick Mullins as his quarterback who, you know, I know he's played some in the NFL, but nobody's going to point to Nick Mullins and say, that guy, that guy's a beast. So he he got the most out of Mullins. He made Nick Mullins an NFL quarterback. You could argue he basically established, gave Nick Mullins an opportunity to be one of the better backups in the league. So I think that says a lot for Todd Munkin. Um, but the lack of head coaching experience, I think, is a is a 
a negative for me. Um, I, I think while he has been around for a long time and he probably has a pretty strong um, network to pull from, I'm not really sure what his coaching staff would look like. Does he have, he's only been in the NFL for the last year. Prior to that, the last time he was in the NFL was 2019 on Freddie Kitchen staff. And he had two years in Tampa before that. So has not really been around the NFL circles. You might be looking at a guy who'd be pulling from collegiate ranks um, more than anything. And that, that could be a bit of a knock you have, you know, would he have the experience in the room in terms of coordinators and assistants to be able to bounce ideas off of and, and make corrections. We don't know how he would manage a game based on the lack of, um, based on the lack of head coaching experience. So I think those are some kind of negatives with Munkin. And for me, uh, experience, uh, culture, uh, you know, just the ability to build a team is something that is of the utmost importance in this coaching cycle with the Chargers. And that's why Munkin is lower on my list based on the, the coaches they have in the market right now. So that's number five for me is Todd Munkin. Number four for me is Pete Carroll. Um, and you might think he'd be a little higher on my list. And he's not for a couple of reasons. But I will say this. So on the positive side. I think what the Seahawks did with, with Pete Carroll when they brought him in, whatever it was, 10, 15 years ago, is the blueprint the Chargers should be following and more than likely will be following with Jim Harbaugh, which is you bring in a head coach from an elite college football program, somebody who spent the last decade recruiting the top athletes in the country. He's going to know all the kids in the draft, or at least the top kids in the draft inside and out. I think it gives you a huge advantage for the next two to three years from a draft standpoint in terms of finding the right talent for your roster, in terms of what you want to build. Um, I think that is the path the Seahawks took with Carroll, and it's why they were so successful right away because he just knew more about the kids coming out of the draft for the first two or three years than anybody else. That fell off after a while, and you saw after a few years, things started to taper off a little bit as his assistant started leaving, um, and he started to lose that handle on the on the uh, on the the kids coming out of college. But overall, I think that's a strong blueprint to follow if you want to rebuild a program quickly. Uh, Carol is on my list for a few reasons. I, I mentioned that blueprint. I think he is a guy who preaches competition. He is a guy who preaches toughness. He is a guy who preaches uh, uh, resilience. The, his teams are always tough. He builds cultures. He builds strong cultures and strong teams. And those Seahawks teams, one of the big reasons they were as good as they were for as long as they were is depth because they hit on third, fourth, and fifth round, fifth round picks almost every year. They didn't have as much success with the first round picks. But the guys they were drafting in the middle and the end of their drafts made huge impacts. Guys like Richard Sherman, guys like Browner, guys like Cam Chancellor, um, pretty much the entire middle of their defense. They they pulled guys that were you know, considered mid-level players, and they elevated them. They provided depth, and they stepped into the starting role, and they performed at a high level. And they built the system around the guys they had, uh, which is something else I think the Chargers have struggled with. So... Uh, I think those are the strengths of Pete Carroll, the experience, the game management, culture building, 
team building. Um, and at least early on, the familiarity with the kids that were coming out in the draft. And I think that's one of the reasons why I'm so high on Harbaugh in the cycle, and we'll talk about him a little bit later. Um, in terms of negatives with Pete Carroll, and this is a big one for me, and it's the same reason, it's the reason that Belichick wasn't on my list. I just feel a little bit differently with Carroll. Carroll is 71 years old. I think he's a year younger than than Belichick. Um, I just worry about how long a guy like that is going to hang on to the next job. How committed is he? How quickly is he going to burn out? I don't know. Carroll, to me, feels a little younger and more vibrant than Belichick, um, which is why I'm a little more comfortable having him on my list. Um, the other big thing for me is Carroll is a defensive guy. He's not an offensive guy. And I think um, ha- hiring a head coach with experience who is an offensive mind is really important this cycle after swinging and missing on, you know, the quote unquote defensive genius in Brandon Staley last three years ago. Um, I think they have to have an offensive guy in place. They have some stability in terms of the system and the coaching and all of that for Justin Herbert for the next several years. And that becomes much more difficult to do. If you have success with Pete Carroll, his offensive coordinator is gone the next year. So um, that's a big reason for me why he's, right now only fourth on my list, but I think he's somebody who they should have a conversation with. And if things don't work out with my first couple options, he's a guy who I would certainly consider. Uh, but I mean, you can't deny the success. I think you bring a guy like Carolyn and they're going to be successful right away. They're going to be tough and physical and resilient things that they have not been. And they're going to build that culture the right way, which they have not been doing. So that's why Pete Carroll is number four on my list. Number three on my list, somebody who might be a little higher on other lists, but he's a little bit lower on mine. And it's not really a knock on him. It's just a function of what the market looks like for head coaches this year. Number three on my list is offensive line is, excuse me, is Detroit Lions offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson. Uh, Johnson is a guy that we talked about at length on our group show, on our our live show um, over the weekend. And Johnson is... I mean, he's a fantastic coach. There's no no two ways about it. The guy's offense is brilliant. It's brilliant. It's innovative. It's creative. It's diverse. It's uh, multi-pronged. He runs 11 or 12 different run schemes. He'll usually pick two or three week to week. Uh, he's flexible in games in terms of if something isn't working, he'll bail on it, and he might table it for two or three weeks before he goes back to it. He is an anticipatory play caller. He'll set plays up. He'll run the same play over and over and over again if it's working, and then he'll add a wrinkle and hit a big play on it later in the game or a couple weeks later. Uh, His offense is awesome. The the way they use personnel and formations and space to create wide-open passing lanes for uh, Jared Goff and the way that they go about getting Amon Amon Ross St. Brown open just with motion and and where they line him up in the field is phenomenal. Uh, it's you, you can't you can't talk about this offense and talk about Ben Johnson and come away thinking that he is not a good football coach. He just is. His guys respect him. They listen to him. When he speaks up, they know he's taught. He's has something important to say. He's a guy who his players say, um, you know, he he's he's a film junkie. He spends more hours in the facility studying film, analyzing himself, doing self-assessments than anybody. He works out in the gym with the players. 
he is just incredibly smart. He literally tested at a genius level. And I know we've used that term with guys like Matt Patricia and Brandon Staley. So I, I use it kind of lightly. Um, it's not something I'm going to lean on in this evaluation, but he is a very smart guy. He knows how to use his pieces. Um, he uses players and get them in positions to succeed, which is something the Chargers have not done enough of. I feel like his scheme is built around his players instead of trying to fit players into the scheme. So that is, I think that's very important. Love the running game. Absolutely love the running game um, and what it does for the passing game. Now, negatives for Ben Johnson, obviously no head coaching experience. That's a big one. Like I said, head coaching experience is the number one thing on my list for a head coach in this cycle. It is super important. Somebody who knows what he wants, who knows how to find players, somebody who can build a culture, who will hold people accountable. Very important word, hold people accountable. This is not a fraternity. This is not an opportunity for coaches to hang out and be buddy-buddy with players. They need to know, the players need to know that somebody is going to hold their feet to the fire if they are not doing their jobs. And that was not something that happened with Brandon Staley, at least not with everybody. And that was a huge reason why he failed. Excuse me, why he failed. Um, so the lack of head coaching experience is an issue. The other issue for me is I'm a little hesitant, to be perfectly honest, um, just expecting the Chargers to run his offense. I, and it's not that Justin Herbert can't do it, they do not have the offensive line to run Detroit's offense. They just don't. They also do not have the skill players. They certainly do not have the running backs to run it. Uh, one of the hallmarks of that offense is they have two running backs in uh, David Montgomery and Jameer Gibbs who complement each other beautifully. Um, and they they play to both of their strengths. And the Chargers don't have anybody like that on their roster right now. So I don't know that they can run that that offense, that, that complicated – offense. I feel like the Chargers are in a point where they need to find like two or three things that they do really well and lean on those things. Um, as opposed to find to hiring a guy who runs, you know, 12, 13 different running schemes week to week and expecting them to be able to run all those things. They've, they've just really struggled finding an identity, finding two or three things that work and, Johnson might try to do a little bit too much um, in that regard. And they, they don't have the skill players outside. I mean, Keenan is great outside of Keenan. They just do not have the weapons to be able to run that offense right now. They just don't. And it might take a couple of years to get to the point where the line and the skill players are good enough to run it. Um, I do think that there's a chance that the Chargers offensive line could be much better with better coaching and a better scheme that suits them better. Um, I think coaching, teaching has been a big issue for this offensive line. Um, being able to make adjustments and make things simple for the for the linemen, I think, has been an issue. And I'm just worried about how complicated that running game is and whether or not the Chargers will be able to execute it at a high level. It might be two or three years before they can do that, and that's a bit of a problem. Um, so that's Ben Johnson. He's my number three. Still high on my list. I kind of went back and forth with him and my next guy at two. Uh, but I wound up settling with 
uh, Mike Rabel, former Tennessee Titans head coach at number two. And I've talked about this already. It's come up over and over and over again so far talking about my top five. For me, experience is huge in this cycle. It's of paramount importance for the Chargers. Uh, Add to that, I think culture and accountability are extremely important. And that's why I feel like Vrabel is a good fit for them. This is a guy who was very successful at a very high level in college as a player, very successful and extra at the highest of levels in the pros as a player, uh, stepped in and was immediately successful as a position coach, both in college and in the NFL and basically shot to the moon in terms of, uh, in terms of a head coach uh, almost immediately when he took the job in Tennessee. And I think he was successful because he set the culture, because he set an, ex- an an expectation of physical and mental toughness and competition. I think that's why those teams played so hard for him. Even when there was very little, if anything, to play for, Tennessee almost always played extremely hard for Mike Vrabel. And that's why they were always in every game. And that's why they, you know, they gave Miami a huge loss at the end of the year this year. They bounced Jacksonville from the playoffs with a, with a win at the end of the year, they had nothing to play for folks, nothing. And they beat those two teams. So I think that says a lot about how people, how players respond to Vrabel and the type of culture and expectations and accountability that he sets um, in, in his locker room. Um, so those are the positives of Vrabel. I think the experience is huge. You know, you look at a guy who had two playoff appearances, uh, two or three playoff appearances in Tennessee, including an AFC championship game. He's a guy who has shown an ability to be flexible in season, in games. You know, his second year, they were really struggling with Marcus Mariota, who was a former first round pick. They had Ryan Tannehill on the bench, who had not played particularly well in his time in the NFL. They put Tannehill in as a starter. And that offense took off and they they went to the AFC Championship game and they were in the playoffs the following year too. So this is a team that, I mean, this is a coach who is willing to make a drastic change to get things back on track. And that's something else I think the Chargers are missing is a willingness to take players and say, nope, you're not getting the job done. You're going to sit down. We're going to put somebody else in. Um. And that's one of the big reasons why I like Vrabel. Um, you know they're going to play good defense, I think, because of his head coaching experience, because he was around Bill Belichick, who knows the rules inside and out and knows how to manage a game. Vrabel is one of the very best game managers and clock managers in the NFL. He is fantastic. He knows all the in and outs. He knows how to manipulate the clock um, and manipulate the opposition to get what he needs out of clock management. So uh, I think that is a huge plus. It's something that, you just don't know what you're getting if you hire a Munkin or if you hire a Ben Johnson. You don't know what you're getting in terms of clock management, and you're talking about learning on the job, whereas Vrabel has been there, done that, and he knows what he's doing. I think the knock on Vrabel – actually, I think there are a couple knocks on Vrabel. So the way things ended in Tennessee, and we talked about this on the live show, the way things ended in Tennessee I think raised some questions about his – Character is the wrong word, but how he handles adversity behind the scenes. Um, Vrabel 
did not like the way the team was being run by the GM and the owner. He was pretty vocal about that. And he was not shy about hiding how he felt. Uh, you know, it really started two years ago when they traded AJ Brown during the draft and he was not happy. Uh, you could see it in his face. He got up, he walked around the draft room, basically pouting, angry, uh, did not like that. When they fired their general manager and they hired Rand Carthon from San Francisco, Rabel felt Carthon was not ready. He wanted say in the GM, didn't get it, didn't like it. Uh, the team started going around and the front office, I should say, started going around and, and asking players to take pay cuts. And he felt like they were not paying their best players and he didn't handle that very well. Um, and I think he just overall struggled as the roster declined. Uh, they did not do a very good job of rebuilding that offensive line. They never really rebuilt the skill group, the wide receiver group and tight end group that kind of got picked apart um, in free agency and via trades when AJ Brown got traded and he never handled that very well. And it just kind of, and you know, you've got him going to banquets in, in new England talking about, I hope you appreciate this place. Cause it's not like this everywhere else while he's the head coach of Tennessee. Uh, it just, I mean, I'm not in the room, but to me, it really felt like he was trying to push his way out and he finally got it. So you kind of you kind of got to be sure that you understand how things fell apart because I think um, he didn't necessarily come away from that situation smelling like roses. I think he had some legitimate gripes, but I think the way he handled himself raises some questions about how he's going to handle adversity because he's so used to seeing Belichick getting what he wants in New England that if things aren't run the way he thinks they should be based on what he experienced in New England, is he going to pout? Is he going to throw temper tantrums? I don't know. It kind of seemed like that's how things went down in Tennessee. So that's a little bit of a concern for me. It's something the Chargers would have to be really comfortable with. The fact that they interviewed him, I would say probably suggests they're comfortable with it. But I would want to ask questions about that. Um, I also think you know, the offense is a question. Who's his offensive coordinator going to be? Are they willing to open up the offense? Are they willing to throw the ball? This is a this is a coach who really relies on a physical downhill running game, which I like, but they did not pay enough attention. <clears throat> they did not pay enough attention to the passing game. They really were not prepared for Ryan Tannehill falling off a cliff. They had no answers for him when he got hurt. Who knows if Will Levis is going to work out? They took Malik Willis. That wound up not working out. I think this is a group that or this is a coach who maybe has been a little bit inflexible with the offense and you're going to need to be real comfortable with the idea that he's going to bring in the right offensive coordinator and put the right kind of an offense around Justin Herbert. I think those are the two biggest knocks in my opinion on Vrabel. They're things that the team has to be extremely, extremely comfortable with. But again, the experience, the culture, the accountability, the success at the highest level, those things all speak for themselves. And you cannot argue with the fact that Mike Vrabel is one hell of a football coach. And if he is on the market, he needs to be on your short, your shortest of short lists. And you need to seriously give him some consideration. And I think in any other market, if my number one wasn't on the list, I think in any other market, Vrabel would be the number one choice, even with some of the questions about him. Uh, and obviously, we've talked about it at length. My number one 
really has been for quite a while now is Jim Harbaugh. Um, and Harbaugh to me is exactly what the chargers needed. And I need, I should say they haven't hired him yet, but he's exactly what they need. Um, and I think I mentioned it earlier, hiring Harbaugh allows the chargers to follow the blueprint that Seahawks really put in place when they hired Pete Carroll, which is hire a coach at a coach from an elite college program who not only has NFL experience, but has sustained NFL success. Somebody who knows the recruiting classes over the last few years inside and out and who can help you pluck the right players out of the draft over the next few years to rebuild the team in a hurry. Um, and who also knows what he wants. He knows exactly what he wants to do on both sides of the ball. He knows exactly what kind of players he needs to carry those things out. Um, he is going to set a culture. He is going to hold people accountable. You know that. He'll hold people accountable whether they want to be held accountable or not. He's going to let them know if he doesn't like what they're doing. And he's going to win. He's going to win. Um, I you, you can't argue with that. I, I've seen people argue with him, argue about whether or not he's the right fit. Well, he never won a national championship. Well, guess what? That's out the window. He doesn't have good assistance. That's bullshit. Um, he is too rigid with his offense. He's not the right fit for Herbert. Well, he basically sought this job out because of Justin Herbert. If you think he's not going to put Justin Herbert in a position to win and succeed, you're out of your mind. Um, this is the perfect fit for the Chargers. He has ties to the organization already. He loves Justin Herbert and wants to see him succeed. He knows exactly what he wants and he knows how to get there. And that's why Harbaugh has to be the number one choice. He is just, he is everything this team needs and more. They need somebody to come in, be honest with the Spanos family and say, you know what? This roster isn't as good as you think it is. We need to tweak this. We need to clean this up, which by the way, he's done. Um, you need somebody who is going to let players know when they're half-assing it, when they're not putting the work in, who's going to push guys to get better, who's going to put guys in a position to succeed. Most importantly, this team needs organization, team needs professionalism. They need physical toughness. They need to be more resilient. They need to be able to fight back when somebody punches them in the mouth. They have not had that. Their head coaches haven't had that, and the team hasn't had it. Teams are a direct reflection of their head coaches. And that's why the Chargers have been where they've been for the last 10, 10 11 years, because they've been picking the wrong guys to be the head coach. Actually, it really went back all the way to Norv, if you're going to be totally honest. They have been a reflection of guys who were just not that demanding, not holding people accountable, who were not that tough. Well, Jim Harbaugh is about as tough as they come. So that's why Harbaugh is my number one. If you want to talk negatives with him, I, I don't think there are a lot, to be honest, but I I pride myself on being balanced and you know being intellectually honest. So I'll throw a couple out there. One, I think it's probably fair to have some questions about the offense. Now, what we have seen from Harbaugh is, number one, his offense has changed everywhere he's been. So 
he was a, well, elements of it have changed. He's changed his offense to suit his quarterback. However, his offense at its core is a physical downhill rushing game. That's what fuels the offense. Uh, it's something the Chargers have been lacking, but people will point to it and say that he does not pass the ball enough and he's not creative enough with his with his passing game, and he basically only throws the ball when he has to. I think that is more of a reflection of who he has or has not had a quarterback for most of the last decade, decade at Michigan. But I think it's a fair criticism to say we need to make sure he has the right offensive coordinator in place and that they're going to put a more modern offense in place um, and really cater to Justin Herbert's strengths. I do think they will do that. I believe they did that when he had Alex Smith in San Francisco. He helped Alex Smith's ascension. He was the one who kind of got Smith ready for the, the success he had in San Francisco in uh, in Kansas City. He completely overhauled the offense when they had Colin Kaepernick, made it and turned it into that that read option zone read offense that they ran um, to to really make the most out of Kaepernick's legs and simplify his reads for him. Um, And then, you know, he went back to the old school Michigan way, what he did at Stanford, um, you know, when he, when he got to Michigan. And I think that had as much to do with what Michigan wanted to do after the the disaster they had with Brady Hoke and uh, Rich Rodriguez, as it did with what Jim wanted to do. Um, They had a hard time recruiting quarterbacks Fair criticism. Don't have to worry about that here. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately the biggest criticism of Jim, and I think it's fair and it's something you've got to be aware of going in. He's probably not going to be around for a real long time. Now, I, I think he started to change that a little bit. You know, he had brief stops in at USD. He had a brief stop at Stanford. He had a brief stop at San Francisco. He just spent a decade at Michigan and made sure he stayed until they won a national title. So can he be difficult to work with? Yeah, anybody who is that demanding and knows what they want and doesn't tolerate people fighting him on it is going to be difficult to work with. But at the end of the day, he stayed at Michigan for 10 years and he got the job done. He's leaving as a national champion. So... I think it's fair to question how long he's going to be here. Is he going to be here 10 years? Who knows if he wants to coach that long? I think you'll probably see my guess is they're going to sign him. I'm I'm extremely confident that's going to get done. And I think it's going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of five to seven years. That's my guess. So that's my top five folks. I hope you enjoyed it. I'll go through it one more time. Number five, Todd Munkin. Number four, Pete Carroll. Number three, Ben Johnson. Number two, Mike Vrabel. And number one, the man, the myth, the legend, the answer, the only correct answer, Jim Harbaugh. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got what you needed out of it in terms of learning more about these coaches. And uh, let's hang tight because I think in the next probably four or five days, Jim Harbaugh is going to be named the Chargers head coach. And we are going to have a whole hell of a lot to celebrate. So thank you for tuning in. Enjoy your weekend. Enjoy Craig and Garrett's top fives as well. And uh, probably the next time you talk to me, 
it'll be with Jim Harbaugh as the head coach of the Los Angeles Chargers. Thanks, everybody.